podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcast app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombs show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you're subscribed to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombs show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombs show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show on ESPN as we get set for the 2020 draft gang. And who better but our resident college expert, Ben Isaacs, in the house to get you ready. 10 things you need to know about the draft. This isn't 10 things that you'd be better off knowing. 10 things that I think your intelligence on the draft will be improved if you know. It is 10 things you need to know. And Ben has worked tirelessly on that. So he is coming away very, very soon. In this lockdown period, we are dropping episodes thick and fast. So if you've missed a few, uh, just holding out for our regular Thursday episodes, head on back and you'll find chats with Stig Abel, the uh, presenter of Front Row. A great pod on books, American sporting books that he recommends. Some really good deep diving stuff with Iron Mike as well. Marek Larwood dropped by. J-Bell too. Some really good episodes over the last couple of weeks for you to go and enjoy in case you might have missed one or two of those to keep you occupied to feed your mind speaking of which all about the draft today and ben isaacs will get you set benedict isaacs how is life it's pretty good all things considered you know working hard from home um which is unusual working hard. i've Um, been seeing the the comedy skits you've been rolling out on (laughs) various social media accounts in relation to your day job and that doesn't look much like work to me um also you you shouldn't track um the number of videos i've been watching from espn player kind of watching <laughs> watching games from last season scouting research, players research. for the draft well exactly okay. it is research um but it depends on whose time i'm doing that and yeah. who's paying me to do <laughs> yeah. that at particular yeah. times it is a hard knock life that is what it is uh it is i mean how do you feel about the the virtual draft i mean this is this is officially the virtual draft which doesn't make a huge amount of sense to me because it's still actually happening so i'm not sure how comfortable i am with that definition to begin with anyway yeah it's very true yeah I, i'm sick of the word virtual being used when something is genuinely taking place yes yes <laughs> um yeah i think i think it's i think it's good um obviously it means that you and I are not there in Las Vegas while this happens, which might be better for Vegas that we're not there. Probably. Given the last time we were there, I think that is a reasonable <laughs> assumption. I'm so disappointed. I was, I found a picture of that horse racing game. Did I send it to I, you? You <laughs> did. You did. Uh, which I was so looking forward to playing again. And what would have happened realistically is that we would have found this. So for the benefit of our listeners who have no idea what we're talking about, uh, back in the day, years ago, God, 15 years ago, wasn't it? Pretty yeah. much. Uh, you and I were in Las Vegas with friends and we ended up finding this horse racing game, which is, some of you uh, will have seen it out there, 
the which is a kind of flat top uh, table that you can sit around and um, coin based betting. Well, did it take notes as well? I can't remember. I, I did. It probably, it probably did. It probably, probably did. did. It probably. I don't know if there's a maximum bet. There's probably some loon that bets <laughs> five hundred a raise on it. But uh, it was it was for low rollers like us, Benny. Yeah. And the um, and it is horse races. So you basically pack your horse. They have different odds, and they just go round a mechanical track. So it's kind of Sabutio meets those ice hockey games meets. Is that might describing it particularly. Yeah. Well? No, I think that's. I think it was in a kind of like like a sort of bubble. Yes. Um, with, with kind of a table around it, but it was the fact that it was mechanical. I know people will kind of bet on like video horse races. Mm. And to me, there's, there's no soul to that. Whereas these, these little mechanical horses, you kind of almost develop like backstories for them. At the start of the race, it would come up with the, with the odds for each individual horse. And it's not like, oh, horse one is always like the favorite. It would just, it would all kind of mix up. But you'd you'd really kind of develop a strategy, like, oh, you know, I think uh, number two is due. We had a system. What, <laughs> had what, a system. what was what I think we discovered was that oh, if you were placing kind of sensible bets, we, you know, like you say, probably some some lunatic spending five hundred dollars, you know, per race. But you would be you'd be putting these small bets on, and there would be a little kind of community of people sat around this thing because there were stools around it, and you would be brought your drinks, which were technically free because mm-hmm. they want you to you know stay in the casino obviously and you you would give a tip and i think we figured out that the cost of the drink if you were buying it at the bar would be more than the tip plus the money that we were betting that's right that's so right, yeah. we were making a profit technically it <laughs> but, but it was an alcohol <laughs> profit yeah so best kind yeah uh, and the and we spent I mean, hours is an understatement. So if we debris this full cycle, if the, if the draft had happened in Vegas, as was originally planned, I think we'd have probably missed the opening night. <laughs> we would have yeah. been sort of rolled in around yeah. pick number 20, yeah. uh, because we would have been uh, otherwise engaged. Well, speaking of which, uh, the draft has, of course, all the rage and everything we are focusing on right now. So we figured who better to get us set for the 2020 draft than our own college expert and old friend ben isaacs and you've put together a top 10 top 10 things to know about the draft now these aren't necessarily any kind of power rankings we're not going to go 10 to 1 anything like that these are just 10 key things you guys out there need to know to get you set for the draft starting with how strange the draft will be or otherwise because uh, as we alluded to at the top the the virtual draft the fact that Everybody's going to be remote. There's no Vegas. There are no gondolas wheeling the players. Now that would have been strange <laughs> to, the, to the podium. Goodell's not going to get booed. All of the usual pomp and ceremony and razzmatazz is completely pared down for obvious reasons and for, and completely the right reasons. So how is that going to impact our viewing pleasure of the, of the draft? Is it for you, Ben, going to make it more? It's going to be more intriguing, I guess, to see how it plays out. But when you scratch away the cosmetic surface, we're going to be left with exactly the same intrigue and wheeling and dealing and surprise and all the, the most important attributes of a draft, aren't we? Yes, spot on. This, this is my, my take from it is the draft won't be weird despite the world being weird. Mm. If you are, if your experience of the draft is watching it on TV, your experience will be pretty much the same as it would have been in any other year. 
One thing to bear in mind is the draft has only been televised since 1980. ESPN went to the NFL and said, look, we've got to fill space. Um, can we televise the draft? And once the NFL uh, bigwigs had stopped laughing, they were like, <laughs> yeah, sure, knock yourself out. No one wants to watch it, by the way. It. So, <laughs> yeah. And obviously ESPN turned it into a major television event. So that's relatively new. The idea of it being on location has only been going on since, I think, 2015 when they did it in Chicago. So this, you know, this thing of there being hundreds of thousands of people there and, you know, the NFL experience and all that sort of stuff, that is very, very new. For decades, it just used to be a bunch of men in a very smoky room making decisions, calling back to kind of head office to check on picks of players that they'd only seen like once. So it's not going to be that strange. It's going to be harder for the teams because they've not been able to do the sort of um, in-person assessments that they would like to do. Mm. But most of these assessments are done through tape. They are done through people talking to each other and all that stuff will be just the same. We know that they always would have the, the top players there in, in the green room waiting to be picked and in effect, they're still doing that because they're, they're shipping high end cameras to, um, a number of top picks. So you will get the instant reaction. You'll be right in their living room, surrounded by their family, celebrating as they get picked. They will be making all these video calls. The experience of the viewer, unless you are going to attend the draft in person is going to be the same. And as someone who just enjoys seeing how the media covers different things, I'm really intrigued to see the way they, the way they present it. I think it's going to be great. It's going to be an interesting novelty. And I know that some people within the NFL are not happy that the draft is taking place on schedule. I am very happy it's taking place on schedule because it is something you can do right now. Most other sport things you cannot do right now. If there's one thing we can do, let's do it. Well, this is it. They're such creatures of habit and process, understandably so. It's not a criticism, but, you know, the NFL is so acutely focused on this is how we do things and due diligence and detail that you could understand why there are a fair amount of personnel, front office and, and coaching, obviously, in particular, who are not exactly wild about the way it's it, it's 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 played out in and it's going ahead on time despite the limitations they've had in terms of that that scouting process and I, I guess that will be particularly significant for those teams that tend to sneak value in in the later rounds. So I, I can kind of get that in terms of the the technology side. If Freddie Kitchens was still the Cleveland Browns head coach, would they be using House Party <laughs> <laughs> for the head draft for the head draft room? I mean, but you know, the other thing that I'm, I'm interested in is seeing, um, which players and coaches, um, film themselves in portrait mode, even though it's going to be on TV. <laughs> and that will infuriate me. Nice. That will drive me absolutely crazy. If, for example, if I was, if I was a coach or a GM and I was going to speak to a player and we were going to do it via your, your video chat app of choice, and they were in portrait mode and I was there in landscape mode filling my screen because it's something you want to do on a computer. I don't want to, I don't want to interview a top prospect just over the phone screen. I would really, that would be, that would be like a low wonder lip score. Just, 
you've got to you've <laughs> got to go in landscape mode, not portrait mode. If it's going to be on a big, it's a screen. very good point. They tell, yeah, they make the pick and then panic. That oh my god, he yeah. doesn't understand. Uh, hopefully, someone will. Uh, I'm not advocating any kind of hack, obviously, but hopefully, a kind of internal family hack where uh, the child of a, a grizzled uh, front office. Uh, or, or coach, or, yeah, cause thinking about who's gonna get interviewed actually, yeah, or almost certainly be the player, so it won't be as funny, but if, um, for example, Belichick's screen got hacked with, uh, dinosaur <laughs> wallpaper, <laughs> that's the kind of thing I'd like to see. Uh, okay, so, a good start. Things are gonna be, uh, as you quite rightly say, normal in many respects, despite the, the surreality of the execution of the draft and, and, and the weird world we're living in right now. Okay, let's start with, well, let's move on, I should say, to the top three, because there's a lot of uh, stuff flying around here, theory flying around here in terms of what might happen. So uh, Burrow's going to go number one, whatever happens. I guess the only intrigue there is to whether the Bengals decide to deal the number one pick away, and realistically, the Dolphins, who have three first-rounders, of course, uh, step in and, and... and take Burrow. So the, the idea of Burrow going anywhere other than number one is crazy town. He's, he is, uh, in most sports books I'm seeing, he's 100 to 1 on, right? So I don't think he's going to drop, but it's whether, whether the Bengals decide to deal or not. Uh, and in your mind, Ben, and this is your second point, you, you don't think the top three are going to change, whoever ends up taking them. Or are you saying that the players will go one, two, three yeah, as advertised, I- but the teams might change around? Yeah, exactly. I think I think we're going to see Joe Burrow at one, Chase Young at two, and Jeff Okuda at three. Now, as you say, the Bengals could deal that pick at the moment. That doesn't look like it's going to happen, but these things can these things can change very very quickly. I would say we're looking at Burrow, Young, and then Okuda. Let's say everyone at the top at the top of the draft stands pat and we've got the you've got Cincinnati, Washington and Detroit taking those three players. Everything then rests on the New York Giants mm. at number four. Now if if people are to be believed, they are leaning towards Isaiah Simmons, um who's a very versatile linebacker from Clemson. But it's gonna depend how much they like him, whether they are going to turn down um offers of teams wanting to trade up to that number four spot, whether someone is going to be desperate for a quarterback and will, and will go up or whether someone desperately wants Isaiah Simmons because he is absolutely right. fantastic. There's a lot of buzz about him. You've, you've raved about him. So just on the, on the teams in the hunt for a quarterback. So just below the Giants are five and six, uh, two of them, right? The Dolphins and the Chargers are, are widely expected to, to take a quarterback in the first round, particularly mm. the Dolphins because, uh, uh, the, the picks that they have elsewhere, you've got, the Jags, the Raiders have been connected with uh, with a quarterback as well because the ongoing narrative that Gruden just doesn't rate Carr um, yep. will be looking. So they could. We'll talk about the other quarterbacks in, in a minute. Jordan Love's probably the only other one that's going to go in the first round, right? But uh, the so the suggestion here is that the let's say it's the Dolphins and they absolutely whether it's two or a Herbert, right? But yeah. either one who are expected to again go quite closely they want to lock them in then they might be tempted to to trade up to what the three to the lions at three or the giants at four to, to lock that player in is that the is that the rationale yeah yeah i mean i i think the lions unless they get a fantastic offer i think are going to go with jeff Akuda because he is he is 
he is a shutdown corner, had a fantastic season for Ohio State, and is such a massive upgrade. But they could get secondary. Akuda at five, couldn't they? So say the Dolphins flip with him, the, but, the Lions could gamble that well, Akuda's going to drop to us anyway. Or do you think then, does Akuda come into play for the Giants, do you think? If he falls um, yeah, I think he would come into play for the Giants. I, I, I can imagine Akuda not dropping as far as five. Um, I mean, obviously, it's trading down is great because you accumulate picks. This has been the Patriots, um, this has been the Patriots MO for a very long time. This is what Belichick likes to do. He likes to trade down, accumulate those picks because if you want to build a great team, you have to build it through the draft. You don't build it through free agency. Mm. The more draft picks you have, the more chance you are of hitting because we know for a lot of these picks, it's a lottery. If you've got more lottery tickets, you've got more chance of winning the lottery. But a lot of teams don't have as much faith in their ability to pick the right players as the Patriots do, and for good reason. So the Detroit Lions may feel, okay, let's go with this absolutely outstanding player at number three rather than move down, potentially miss out on him and not hit on the impact players. So I, I would, if I were the Lions, I would stick with Akuda personally. Okay. So it is a lot of different permutations could, could happen is what we're saying as, as is often the way, of course, but it is interesting. Your next point, which is the best player won't go number one. So even though Burrow is going to go number one, whoever he goes to, you don't think he's the best player in the draft? No. Not even, I'm going to say not even close, and I'm going to stick with it. Not even close. If you said to me, right, we're going into this draft, who do you feel is the most likely to have a long all-pro career? With no hesitation, I would say Chase Young, who's an edge rusher from Ohio State, who I think Washington would be crazy to pass on at number two. There's been no indication that they will do anything other than take Chase Young, they don't seem to want a quarterback, despite potentially the evidence showing that they need one. Um, Chase Young is pound for pound the most talented player in this draft. He's, it's, it's like if, if you wanted to kind of chisel like a 4-3 defensive end, he is what you would end up with. He's very powerful. He's very quick. He's one of the best pass rushers to come out of college football in a long time. Um, he can do pretty much everything. You, you know, you'll see these kind of the, like the swim moves and the chop and all these things that, that get a player on the defensive side through the offensive line. He seems to have every, every move that you could have. Um, he reminds me a lot of, um, Javon Curse and possibly better than Curse. He is the best player. That's not to say. If I was the Cincinnati Bengals, I would take Chase Young because I think what they need more than anything is a franchise quarterback to build a team around. But the best player is Chase Young. It is fascinating when you think about the amount of quarterbacks that have been drafted, let's say the last decade, in the first round, high in the first round, that haven't worked out. I mean, at all, let alone ones that are kind of serviceable. So... You know, Blake Bortles, pick number three, if you remember back in the day. Mm -hmm. You've got Trubisky, pick number two. I knew you were going to say Trubisky. Well, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Tannehill latterly has kind of come together. I guess guess that's starting to play out. But, I mean, if we'd had this conversation this time last year, obviously not. Mariota, 
uh, Jameis Winston is not a starter in the NFL right now. Um, when, you know, when these names are even kind of like late first round picks. Yeah, exactly. You know, these are these are these are top end picks. The hit rate is very low. It, so it is, and I obviously understand why because if 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 you do hit, then and, and and you're hitting at the kind of luck level. But again, that's a kind of generational thing. If you think, I mean, Lamar's emerged, of course, but then you offset that with Josh Freeman, right? Freeman, yes. you know, top 20 pick. Um, Brandon Whedon was a top 20 pick, wasn't he? Well, <laughs> yeah. Definitely a first round pick. Um, Jake Locker, you know, went eight to the Titans back in the day. So there are lots and lots and lots of examples. Christian Ponder, I'm pretty sure, was a first round pick. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of examples of first round quarterbacks going uh, and uh, people reaching for them because of this desire to get a quarterback and it is too much of a gamble. So I appreciate it's different right at the top of the draft. But not always, as you rightly say, and as we say, Blake Bortles going number three, a case in point. Are we sure that Joe Burrow is this Andrew Luck type player, which as close as you can get to a sure thing, he he is that quarterback? Or is there, in your mind, an element of risk? Because if there is an element, always risk, but I mean a significant element of risk that he will be. Because if I, there is, then why, why aren't you, you making the safe bet if you're going to get a, an all-pro 10-time pro bowler by the sound of it that, that Chase Young's going to be. Because if, let's say you're the Bengals and you decide, okay, Chase Young is the safer bet. Um, we can build defensive line around him. He's going to be fantastic. And they pass on Burrow and Burrow has a great career. That's all they will hear. Mm-hmm. Unless they win multiple Super Bowls and Chase Young has like two or three Super Bowl rings as a Bengal, they will always hear you should have taken Joe Burrow. But then if Burrow's a Keely Smith and, and that, Chase but, Young but, is Warren Sapp, then then the flip, the you know, the reverse applies. But not but not as much, because people will people will feel like, well, everyone wanted Joe Burrow at number one. That it wasn't the Bengals reaching, it wasn't that the Bengals fell in love with some guy who everyone thought was okay. It would be, okay, well, you know, everyone everyone feels he's the number one pick. People might trade up to get him. They won't get so much blame if they if they don't get him. Um, whereas if you know if if he doesn't if he doesn't work out, people will kind of forgive them. They'll be like, oh, same old Bengals. But yeah. everyone, you know, everyone wants everyone wants Burrow. Um, you know, he's we'll we'll get onto this, but he's not the best quarterback in the draft. So there is um, there is a lot of risk. Uh, Let's because go to he, the next point then. Okay. So if he's, if he, if he's not the best quarterback in the draft, he's not the best player in the draft. I mean, you're saying he's not the best quarterback in the draft either. So I'm assuming, joining the dots here, you're saying two is the best quarterback in the draft, but because of the injury, there's just too much risk involved. Yes. Um, the, the best quarterback is definitely Tua Tonga Vialoa. Does this mean he is the safest and most sensible pick? Probably not. Teams haven't been able to evaluate him in person as much as they would like. Uh, Michael Lombardi um, on his podcast says that um, Tua has failed at least one physical for teams mm. at the moment. Um, something that uh, Lee Steinberg, um, his agent, I believe he's your agent as well, Nat, so uh, we interest are, there. We have a kind of unofficial agreement, Steinberg <laughs> and I. <yeah. laughs> um, he's, he's denied this. Um, the, the thing is, with all of these with all of these stories about teams being all in on tour teams saying they don't want tour take these with 
uh, a pinch of salt because a lot of this stuff gets put out there by certain teams. Yeah. That they don't, they would, like, let's say, let's say the Dolphins are going to pick Tua Tonga by lower. They would much rather put out a lot of information that indicates that he's not going to be up to it sure. and that people shouldn't try to trade up. They would want to talk that, talk that down. So you, you can never read too much into it. Um, obviously over the past few seasons, Tua Tonga Vailoa, his achievements on the field have been pretty much as good as any college quarterback of recent decades. We're talking, um, you know, the likes of sort of, of Peyton Manning, uh, of, of Andrew Luck, those, those sort of, um, long college careers where they have just put out, put up outstanding numbers, have shown an incredible attitude, have won so many games. He is up there with those. However, it's that injury history. So he is a risk. I don't think it's the biggest risk in the world um, because there is so much talent there. The upside is huge. And I think a team that picks Tua again, will not, it won't be used as a stick to beat them with. Oh, I can't believe you wasted the pick on Tua Tungavailoa, one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Someone is going to take that risk. And I think it is a risk worth taking because if it works out, then I would firmly expect him to be a better NFL quarterback than Joe Burrow and a better NFL quarterback than all the other quarterbacks that are out there getting lots of buzz, um, some good, some bad. You see, the fact that you're saying that does get me again worried about this idea of Burrow at one. And I know you had this in remarkable season that you documented so well on, on, on our pod during last, last year. But as you pointed out, it was a season, a standout season for him in an otherwise reasonably good career, right? He suddenly kind of emerged and, and, and broke through. And I think just hearing that saying, if, if Tua stays fit, he's going to be significantly have a significantly stronger career. I just, I don't know. I would, I, I take your argument completely and I get it. And I know it will happen that way, but I would, if Chase Young is a player that everybody's saying he is, then I would be thinking about that. So let just on this. And so Justin Herbert is, is again, a safer bet if we're using that terminology, right? The Oregon. Yeah. So let's say the Dolphins decide they don't want to gamble on Tua. They go Herbert at five. The Chargers don't want to gamble either. So Tua falls down the board how far does he fall is that going to be a the jags at nine is it going to be will the raiders look at him at 12 but if they don't i mean who after that you've got i mean it's well the raiders obviously have got a couple of picks as do the jags what i'm talking about the jags have got two as well don't they so they might even i mean is it possible two could drop down to to the, the low teens early 20s um i wouldn't imagine him sliding out of the top 10 let's say though in that scenario that you've brought up that the dolphins go for Herbert and the Chargers decide they don't they don't want to take a risk on Tua, then it might be that there is information out there that um, the public isn't privy to, but general managers do know mm. that has put off a lot of teams. If it just happens to be that when it comes to it, Miami and Los Angeles Chargers just get a bit gun shy, mm. then somebody somebody will swoop in. I mean. You can just imagine the Raiders trading up to make sure they get in the top 10 and take Tua. I can imagine the Jags um, taking Tua at number nine, unless, like I say, there is very, very good reason. I wouldn't expect him to slide, but if he does, 
there might be more to it than we realize. Gotcha. Okay. Next up then, your fifth point, starting to get into the wide receivers. And if we think Tua is, in terms of raw talent, the best quarterback in the draft, is Jerry Judy the best wide receiver in the draft? He's the best athlete in the draft, full stop. Um, Chase Young is the best player because I think he's just so ready to go. And I think you'll just plug him in and he'll be just insanely good for a long time. Jerry Judy is the best offensive player in the draft. It just happens to be that you don't, you're going to get good wide receivers in this draft. You don't have to kind of um, put a premium on Jerry Judy, all things considered. He is absolutely freakish. The best comparisons would be um, Odell Beckham Jr. and Randy Moss. Um, I'm not saying he's as good as Randy Moss, but he could certainly be as good, if not better, than Odell Beckham Jr., but without without a lot of the baggage that he comes with. Um, he's absolute... Every, every route is so crisp. Now, admittedly, at Alabama, they are incredibly well-drilled, but he just, he finds these spaces. He's always exactly where the wide receiver, um, where the quarterback wants the wide receiver. He's always exactly there. And he's frequently double teamed. Now, Alabama had great wide receivers last season and he just happened to be the best of them. It wasn't, it wasn't a one man band, but he's got it. He's got it all. He's a good physical presence um, when it comes to contested catches, even though he's not as big as a lot of the others. He's got, just incredibly soft hands. When he catches the ball, he can make one cut. It just seems to stop for like a split second. The defender's on him and he changes direction and he's gone to the house. Mm. You know, he turned like a 15, a 15 yard pass into kind of a, a 60 yard touchdown. He's a very brainy player on the field. He's fast, like really fast. He's a tough guy. I am absolutely in love with Jerry Judy. Um, he is my favorite player in the draft. If there's any player that I watch, it's Jerry Judy. Someone is going to get him. You can, again, you can imagine him being like such a, such a raidery player in terms of that, that top end speed, you know, running vertical routes that he's, he's going to be a huge upgrade for whoever gets him. I've seen him mocked to the 49ers, um, you know, yeah, that would make sense, wouldn't it? And and also the the Raiders just above them, as NFL.com were reminding uh, us, reminding me certainly in, in one of the mock drafts recently. Uh, I think it might have even been your friend Bucky Brooks made the point. Um, the uh, Raiders obviously looking for a receiver anyway, but Gruden is a former receivers coach who values very much the attributes you've just outlined there, particularly the route running. So. I think that is an intriguing play. Is he the best receiver in the draft? He's the best athlete in the draft, but I'm seeing a yeah, lot see. of mocks, CD Lamb going ahead of him. I'm seeing some people suggesting that Ruggs as well. I mean, some mock drafts, I don't know this is the point, there are a gazillion mock drafts, and sometimes people are just trying to do something outlandish and controversial to, to cut through the noise. But it, 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 in your mind, he is 100% going first out of the receiver. Well... I would say he's 100% the best receiver in the draft. Whether he goes first, I don't know. But I think if we have, I mean, I would expect him to, but um, sometimes, a, sometimes a team will just fall in love with a particular player. It might be the coach develops a particular rapport with them. Something that we've, um, you know, we've not been able to 
see kind of in evaluations, uh, this, at this point, where if they, if the quarterback and that, that receiver are in the same room and they really hit it off, that might be enough to kind of tip them over the edge. But I think if we, if we pick up this particular conversation in three years time and we look at this wide receiver class, I think we'll be saying, yep, Jerry Judy was the best one in the 2020 class. But you think, this is your next point, it is the strongest class for many a year. So I mentioned C.D. Lamb. Judy, of course, we've talked about. We've talked Ruggs, as we'll mention Ruggs as well. There's Justin Jefferson from LSU that people are projecting could go in the first round. I mean, how many receivers do you think might go in the first round? Um, I think we could be looking at maybe seven. Wow. Um, I think it could be a really... Um, the, the first day may be the, the day of the wide receiver. Um, there are just so many guys who I would expect in the first two rounds. Some, at some point, people might reach, but because it's so deep for wide receivers, you can get exceptional wide receivers in the second round. You know, you said Justin Jefferson. There's a guy at Wake Forest, Sage Surratt, who um, is a really great kind of like yards after catch guy. Um, there's Michael Pittman Jr. at USC. Uh, Brandon Ayuk at Arizona State, LaVisca Shenault at Colorado. Before you get into kind of the, the quote unquote bigger names, the, the T Higgins at Clemson, Devonta Smith, Alabama, CD Lamb, like you say, of Oklahoma, um, and Henry Ruggs III, also at Alabama. These Do we have are, to always drop the third. Is that, uh, I, I, I just think, I just think that Henry Ruggs III, that is, that is a name I respect. You know, <laughs> like if that was what I, We've been given advice when we were naming our daughter. Put put doctor in front of their name, and would you trust them to kind of cut you open? And <laughs> Do- Dr. Henry Ruggs III, I'd be like, I don't even need, like, to an sounds like sounds like the baddie in a mid-'80s uh, screwball <laughs> college comedy. He runs a sort of alpha, beta, gamma... Yeah, he's yeah, he's the he's the he's the bad fraternity. Yeah, yeah he's definitely he's yeah, the bad the, dojo. They're the, they're the, the rich dojo. kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> sure. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, Doctor Henry Ruggs the third, um, who's a kind of Tyreek Hill kind of guy. Um, he's the fastest guy in the in the draft. Um, some people may, I mean, Jerry Judy's fast, but Ruggs is faster. Mm. Um, but Jerry Judy has as the as the you know kind of the better all-round package but if you need a receiver and you've got to pick in the first two rounds then you could get you can get a wide receiver one if that's what you're looking for i just i love this wide receiver class it is so deep i can't think of i can't think of a better a better class like the 2014 class in hindsight was fantastic you had you had Odell Beckham Jr., you had uh, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, uh, Kelvin Benjamin, Brandon Cooks. And that, that was that was also the year that uh, Jarvis Landry was picked, um, Alan Robinson. Um, so, you know, that, that, was a, that was a great one, 2014, that wasn't... People said it was good at the time, but it's like in hindsight now, it's like, oh, wow, that was, that was so deep. At the moment, everyone is hot on this wide receiver class and with good reason. So the Dolphins, but we talked about them having three first round picks, which is huge collateral. It gives them a lot of wiggle room in all kinds of ways. The overall number of picks they've got in the draft is 14. And that's slightly deceptive because that three, seven of those 14, so 50% of them are in the fifth, sixth or seventh round. But nevertheless, they're, they're stacked at the top as well because alongside those three first round picks, they've got two in the second round and, and a third rounder 
as well. Uh, and they're obviously quite high up in, in the rounds, 5, 18 and 26, and then 39 and 56. So five in the top 60, the Dolphins could really fill their boots here. Yeah, I mean, it's five in the top 60, six in the top seven. They can get elite level players. So I'm expecting them to draft Tua Tungavailoa, but they can also get alongside him um, the likes of Josh Jones, who's an offensive tackle out of Houston, who's absolutely fantastic, um, just sort of thing that they need to protect Tua. Um, they could get Clavon Chason, um, who's an edge rusher out of LSU. They could also end up picking up DeAndre Swift, uh, running back from Georgia. Um, depending on how they move things around, they could even get Isaiah Simmons, mm. um, who we, who we've already talked about. So I would expect them in that, in those first three picks to get a quarterback, um, potentially a running back and either an offensive lineman or an edge rusher. But the thing to know about those three players, it won't just be kind of make weight guys. These would be elite level players. And I think that if they have a good draft and, you know, it's easier said than done. If they have a good draft, they haven't just improved. They have set themselves up for a decade of success as far as I'm concerned. They can just restock that roster and have key parts, young players who can go on to have Pro Bowl careers. We we talked about the, the first round quarterbacks. Is there any chance at all that one of the teams that we've talked about, well, specifically, I think Miami or the Chargers, rather than use for one of their first round picks on one of those quarterbacks, goes a little bit further down because there are a few others in the mix as well that could potentially think be starting. If you think about the, the Dolphins in particular, you've got fits for another year at least and Josh Rosenstein in the frame, right? It's, you know, it's not outside the realms of possibility that they might look at a more developmental prospect, right? Um, they, they could. Um, I mean, there were, you know, there were guys out there, um, but Tua Tungavailoa is such a talent that I think they would always wonder what if. Um, in fact, my number eight point is that the two most intriguing quarterbacks share a name. So people have probably heard of Jordan Love. Um, he's been mocked to the Patriots and Packers a few times. Now he's, he's good, but imagine following Brady or Aaron Rodgers. The Packers would be a better fit for him because at least he can learn behind Rodgers for a few seasons. Saints he's, as well have been, been linked with, right? So throw Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For him. I mean, yeah. You know, so people, um, people who know quarterbacks, teams that have got fantastic quarterbacks or have had fantastic quarterbacks really like the guy. Um, he does throw some awful passes. Now, when he's good, he's being compared with Patrick Mahomes, but when he's bad, it reminds me of some of those terrible passes that Favre used to throw. Now, I'm right. not comparing him to Brett Favre because Favre could do so much, but you know, those bad throws, you think, why did he throw that? That was just completely unnecessary. He does those. Um, the other love plays in the same conference as Jordan Love, who's, uh, plays at Utah State. Josh Love is at San Jose State. They're both in the Mountain West. Now, Josh Love, he might not even get drafted or he'll be a really late sleeper pick. He's great under pressure, but he's undersized. He's not physically gifted. He's kind of like a Kyle Allen type. And I keep wondering, will someone reach for him? And I wouldn't mm. bet against it. He's the sort of guy that if he gets into the right sort of scheme, he's with the right, he's with the right franchise and with the right coaches, then he could be developed into a potential starter, which if you're able to get that sort of value, you know, on day three of the draft, then, you know, you're laughing. So watch out for the two loves, I would say. Um, my number nine point is that there's more talent in the first round than there was last year. Um, 
it's not to say last year's is weak, but if you do a kind of a general player for player comparison, like Nick Bosa was the best uh, pass rusher last year. Is he better than Chase Young? No, Chase Young is better. Mm. Um, Tua Tungavailoa and um, and Joe Burrow, I prefer to the quarterbacks who were taken um, in the first round last year. Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins. Jerry Judy's better than any wide receiver who was taken last year. In fact, Henry Ruggs III also might be better than all of those. Um, and then you look at Jeff Fakuda, um, the Ohio State cornerback who I said the Detroit Lions should take. He's better than any cornerback who was taken last year. Grant Delpit, who's a safety at LSU. It's really good if you're looking for people uh, in the secondary this year. He's better than any safety who was picked last year. Um, the running backs, I was not a big fan of last, uh, last year, but DeAndre Swift of Georgia, he's certainly better than, say, Josh Jacobs last year. So at the top end of the draft, the elite talents, I would say this draft, hands down, is better than last year's. So if those are the players you're looking for, then this is a good time to have a a top 10 pick. Now let's sneak number 10 in. Uh, A running back, as you described to be a tiny running back. uh, Yeah, he's tiny. He's tiny. I mean, he's measured at like 5'5". Um, he says he's five, six, um, which if you're an NFL player and you're kind of like pushing yourself up to five, six, then you must be small. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now I want to mention him. So his name is JJ Taylor from Arizona because he's such an exciting player. Now this isn't someone who is going to get picked on the first couple of days. There's a chance he will go undrafted. The ideal situation for a viewer is he ends up as a um, an undrafted rookie, um, free agent pickup who ends up on hard knocks, and we get to sort of see him develop. You get to you get to see all the other players pointing out that yeah, you're not even five six, but the, he's <laughs> he's just got wonderful moves. He's so much fun to watch. He's a really kind of slippery sort of player. Um, he's he's potentially a huge player in fantasy. So this is why I wanted to, wanted to bring him up. You've got to, you've got to be aware of this guy because if he's, if he does catch on with an NFL team and he is going to be playing next season, he's someone who you're going to pick up in a late round in your fantasy draft. And you could end up with the next Tariq Cohen or even Darren Sproles. He's, he's that sort of player. I pray. If he could, if he can pull it off. Um, because obviously those are smaller guys who again to use the perhaps uncomfortable word slippery, um, who just seem to kind of like <laughs> get out of people's grasp. Not allowed to use it a third time. <laughs> no, no, we'll stick with two. That's fine. Um, he's that he's that sort of guy, and I would say if you don't know a lot about him, which I, I'm going to guess is pretty much everybody listening to this, just go and seek out some JJ Taylor videos, and you'll you'll come away thinking, oh, this guy should get drafted. Obviously, in those highlight videos, you're not going to see the times where he's just you know stuffed at the line of scrimmage but he's a very interesting player especially if you play in multiple fantasy leagues note the name down jj taylor i have a dynasty draft coming up so i really appreciate that final bit of intel forget the other nine points uh, <laughs> yeah. that helped me with my job it's uh, what helps me with the fantasy draft yeah. uh, that i'm most interested in uh, ben superb work as ever enjoy the draft uh, i know you'll be you'll, will you be you'll be obviously be staying up for all of it you, you'll be devouring round seven as well you like oh yeah yeah, yeah. Just round one. yeah and i'll um i'll be kind of there with round seven and then sort of um telling people the next day, oh yeah, I've always been a huge fan of player I had to Google. 
you know, that sort of thing. But boasting yeah, exactly. like, oh yeah, I know this guy. I know this guy. Just black it. You'll be, you'll yeah, be exactly. You know, he plays in a Division three college in Canada. I'm big up on that, yeah. Been talking about it for years. Been talking about it for years. Yeah. Uh, fine work, but I hope, uh, I know you've got our listeners all set for uh, the big night, certainly, and, and over the course of the draft as well. Come back on the other side and uh, talk us through how it went, what went down, who you think won, who you think didn't. It'd be great to get your perspective on that. So we will check in with you very, very soon. That's that's fantastic. And it's going to be a great draft, even if we can't get near any mechanical horses. Uh, next time. We'll always have 2021, <laughs> my friend. If that isn't in Vegas, I'm writing oh, a letter to... Oh, 2021 yeah. is in Cleveland. That is set in stone. No, no, no. no. Um, <laughs> I've been to Cleveland. I, I got cry. food poisoning. So <laughs> maybe Cleveland will have one of those horse racing. Are casinos, are they legal in Cleveland? Oh, I'm not sure, but I have to tell you this little Cleveland story. I went to um, LeBron James' final game as a Cleveland Cavalier, and it was in the mm. NBA Finals. It was when the Golden State Warriors, um, they, swept, uh, they swept the Cavaliers, and I was there for game four. Um, and earlier that day, I'd gone out and I'd, I'd wanted to see downtown Cleveland, and boy, that, that was not very exciting. <laughs> but I went in this kind of this historic old shopping mall basically it was the sort of thing that is like a kind of, like if it was in this country it'd be a, a kind of victorian shopping arcade mm. look beautiful from the outside i went in there were barely any shops that actually still existed but there was a wedding taking place in this shopping mall <laughs> on the stairs and um the the priest was wearing a notre dame t-shirt um, shorts and New Balance trainers, and <laughs> their their wedding was taking places. Was Grog taking... getting married? Was that? <laughs> <laughs> he would have worn one of those like t shirts that looked like a tuxedo, though. Yeah, of course, you were. Of people course were not would. making this sort of effort. You have from... the tuxedo painted on, boy's body paint. <laughs> yeah, the bride and groom were dressed as you would expect the bride and groom to be, but a lot of the guests were not. And it was also taking place kind of in the food court. It was so bleak. And it's, it's one of, it's one of my takeaways from Houston, um, Houston from Cleveland. Everybody was lovely in Cleveland, but downtown there was nothing to do. And I got food poisoning, um, either from a hot dog in the press box, um, at the the NBA game, at the NBA game, or it was a, a barbecue restaurant, which was actually a nice barbecue restaurant. And I, I really hope it wasn't the barbecue restaurant because if I if I end up back in Cleveland, I'm going back to that restaurant. So I've got to take that risk. I'd like to point out the ESPN has right the holders in the states uh, for the NBA. There is absolutely no categorically <laughs> no, no substantiation of uh, Ben Isaac's story just there. Just like to be very clear. Did you also notice before you got into the story, I said I was going to write to Roger Goodell. So I'm going to I'm going to get my fountain pen out and write him a letter. Signed, Doctor Henry Rugg the Rugg the Third. Yeah, with a stamp. I've got a seal. I'm going to seal it. Rugs the third seal. Uh, Grab your stuff at Tweets for a Bed is how you follow better on uh, Twitter. Make sure you do, certainly. Uh, uh, You'll be keenly uh, tweeting throughout the draft, I'm sure, as well. I will. uh, I will. I will uh, expect you to be on point there, and I'm sure our listeners will be keeping their eyes peeled for the stuff you are pushing out, and we will see you on the other side. Take care, bud. See you. Enjoy the draft, guys. Lovely stuff. Many thanks to Ben. Enjoy the draft Thursday night. We'll be dropping 
uh, a review of the first round, possibly the first couple of rounds. That'll be Greg Brady and me uh, who are doing a broadcast of it. We will drop the pod off the back of that, either the Friday, keep your eyes peeled, or definitely by the Saturday. So watch this space. If you're subscribed to us, it'll just ease into your podcatcher of choice without you having to do a thing. So make sure you are doing that. And incidentally, on that note, if you've got a bit of time on your hands, which I suspect one or two of you might head on over to iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to us, leave a review if you can. That helps us with our sponsors, with the algorithm, all that good jazz. If you, if you like the show and you haven't had a chance to do that yet, now is your moment. Go and do that. Uh, we would really appreciate it. And hey, as I always say, it makes Harry the producer a very happy man. All right, then. We'll see you next time. Bye for now. Podcast Network.